Hello, guys, and welcome. Um, this is the Shift Talk podcast. Um, first episode, been a long time in the making. Um, we're excited to be here. My name is Matthew. And I'm Jake. Um, and we are going to be pumping these out, you know, just kind of whenever we can um, about really uh, anything, honestly, uh, mostly on movies, pop culture, uh, but could be anything that interests us at the, at the given time. Um, and we found the time recently to start this podcast because hopefully, like many of you, um, you know, we are self-quarantined right now because of the coronavirus uh, crisis going on right now. Uh, so we thought, what better way to spend our time uh, than to talk about movies um, and publish them in podcast form? Uh, so the first episode today, which you're about to listen to, is going to be each of our top five picks for movies that you need to check out uh, while you are going to be at home, uh, self-isolating, self-quarantining, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, so yeah, it's basically just going to be movies you need to watch. You might have seen them, you might have not. Uh, I guarantee you, you have not seen every movie on this list, um, and that's pretty much going to be it. Um, uh, Jake, you got anything to add? Uh, yeah, we we both picked five movies apiece, and I feel like we both tried to pick movies that aren't obvious. Like, of course, there's a lot of things you can view on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, HBO. Those are the those are the streaming services that we chose from, and there's a lot of good stuff on there that we would recommend. But uh, we tried to choose movies that maybe. Uh, aren't obvious or maybe a lot of people haven't seen uh obviously like lord of the rings is streaming on netflix that would be a a choice of mine if i was recommending movies to people but it is not on my list because i feel like that's a really popular movie that most people have probably watched so we tried to choose some movies that maybe maybe you haven't watched or maybe you haven't watched in a while so uh, yeah, uh, basically a couple of our rules for the podcast uh, is we uh, chose movies and you could not have more than one movie from the same director. So um, no no doubling up there. And uh, like I said a minute ago, all our selections came from either Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, or HBO. And, uh, and Disney, Disney Plus. Plus, yes. And uh, that's that's about all I got. You ready to jump into it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and cut right to our selections. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and yeah, uh, we're really excited to be here doing this. And uh, we really appreciate you checking it out. All right. So kicking off my list at number five, and these are in random order. These are not organized in any way i do have a theme to my selections a little bit but coming in at number five for me is wally now i will admit that when i first watched wally as a young child um i wasn't too into it you know i wasn't i wasn't there for all the symbolism and well not even symbolism it's pretty on the nose um i wasn't i wasn't there for that you know i didn't think it was that funny and uh my child brain was not really all developed that much because I, after watching it again as uh, you know, with my fully formed film brain, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's obviously the themes in the movie, you know, it's about how humans have kind of devolved after earth becomes uninhabitable and they're on like a space station but they've come become so reliant on technology that they're no longer uh, the full versions of themselves. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, a commentary about our reliance on technology and if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And obviously in the movie, it's a bad thing. But uh, the one scene that I enjoyed in particular, and I think it's the best scene, is the, the plant dancing scene uh, towards the end of the movie. And at this point, um, Eve is going out. She leaves the spaceship to go find Wally. Um, and she goes to discover and sees that he has still has the plant that holds the key to restarting life on earth. Uh, then they go through this really cool looking dance routine while at the same time, you know, there's a 
very uplifting and peaceful soundtrack playing. And we see uh, multiple examples of how, you know, them being just really, I guess, whimsical would be the right word. I don't know. We see people on the ship kind of watching them. Like there's a couple on the ship and they start holding hands after it. It's real cute, all that stuff. Um, the captain of the ship starts researching like strange earth customs, you know, like farming and fishing and stuff like that. And it just helps kind of enforce the message of the movie that, you know, there is power and beauty in the simple things, I guess, not to be too corny. And that the joy we get from shared experiences is what binds us all together and all that good jazz. All in all, it's a fun, you know, Disney movie, Pixar. It's a fun movie. It's on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't watched it, give it a try. Um, what are your, what is your experience like been with this movie? Did you like Wally when you watched it? So I've actually watched Wally for the first time, like probably two months ago, and I hmm. have to say I very okay. much enjoyed. It. I, I watched actually watched it with a room full of children. I will say that I probably enjoyed it a lot. Than they did. You know, I feel like Wally is a movie that, you know, like you said, it's got some d- deeper themes to it that you said you didn't un- fully understand when you watched it the first time, but you picked up a- more on it right. later in life. And I definitely agree. Wally's not your typical kids' movie. I guess you could say it's more in line with the Pixar movie. Who Pixar, they tend to have deeper themes. So, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed Wally. Where would you? you have a place that you would put it on your Pixar list? I mean, obviously probably towards the top. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I mean, I could pull this up here really quick and just kind of roughly put it somewhere. I mean, I definitely don't think it's, I'm pretty much a Finding Nemo stand for the most part. I think Finding Nemo is probably my, my favorite. That's a good um, choice. Out of all the Pixar movies. Um, I definitely think it's up there because, I mean, you've got Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, the OG Cars, Monsters, Inc. I think it fits right in there. Um, You know, some I haven't enjoyed as much. Like, I'm not a big fan of Ratatouille. Um, Inside Out was solid. Didn't see that one. It's it's decent. And I think Wally, you know, I definitely don't think it's – you don't see people talk about it a lot, like, in in the same vein as other movies because, like – like you said, I don't think it's it's not a typical kids movie. It's not a movie where, you know, kids are going to go to school the next day and, you know, talk about all the jokes that they Especially since heard it, there's, in Wally. There's so little dialogue. I mean, yeah. you don't, there's really not dialogue until, what, halfway through the movie? Or right. 20, 30 minutes into the movie at least, it seems like. So Well, and the thing, yeah, the thing about it is that the main character who we connect with the most and who has has the most emotional, you know, weight throughout the whole story doesn't really speak. And, you know, we're only experiencing how the other characters interact with him, which I think was a smart choice, but it also, you know, does speak to how um, it's not as much of, it's more about being emotive than it is the movie just telling you what's happening or what the characters, how they're, how they're feeling. Um, but yeah, it's solid. If you got kids, uh, definitely give it a watch. I think you'll enjoy it um, alongside them. Uh, so, yeah. All right, so that I guess, is my pick for number five on my list. So, my first selection is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. or I guess you can probably find some similarities. Um, and for my list, I kind of... I didn't really have a theme. I just more or less tried to pick movies that I thought that maybe a lot of people haven't seen before. Uh, these aren't I don't think they're obscure or like indie movies or anything, but they're not exactly blockbusters either. So the, the first movie on my list, First Reformed, uh, is directed by Paul Schrader, and you can find it on Amazon. And uh, most of you probably know Paul Schrader was the writer for Taxi Driver, and this is maybe the only movie that he's actually directed, or he hasn't directed many movies. But... First reform, I'm not going to spoil anything, but basically follows the, the story of Ethan Hawke's character, who's a pastor of church, a small church, and he's struggling with all kinds of things. He's an alcoholic, 
Um, he's struggling with his faith, and he runs into this couple who really raises these questions about the future of the planet, how it really goes into climate change, and the the really the impact that humans are having on the planet. And that's really about all I'm going to go into about the plot because I don't want to I don't want to give anything away, and it's really not a about the plot is um it's just a really well done movie i think it's honestly ethan hawk's best performance and ethan hawk's an actor to me that is kind of underrated you don't hear a lot about him but every role he's in is really good and i think i think this is by far his best movie um and another thing that really stands out about this movie is the cinematography there's one scene in particular, uh, I'm not sure if you recall this scene, but there's a scene where he mixes a, a thing of Pepto-Bismol with a glass of whiskey, and it's, it's just really hard to describe, but it's kind of, it's, it's just an incredible looking scene. It's something that you need to see. It kind of goes along with the theme of climate change. So yeah. I definitely, it's not a movie that I would recommend you sitting down and watching with your kids because it's, it's a bleak movie, but it is, there's no debating how well done it is, and I think it's a near masterpiece. So uh, what was your experience with the movie? Yeah, yeah um, I agree with a lot of what you said, pretty much. I watched it on your recommendation, um, and it was it was fantastic. I completely agree what you said about Ethan Hawke, because um, when, when you talked about him being underrated, the first thought I had was him in um, in Sinister, the horror yeah. movie. He's super good in that, and I don't know why, not to get on a tangent, I don't know why more horror movies don't try to, you know, nail down like a an established actor or actress. I mean, some of them do, but I feel like, you know, horror movies, it's kind of hard. It's kind of, it would be easy to, fall by the wayside but ethan hawk's performance in that movie you know really just i mean it added something I to mean, it and, yeah, that's uh, definitely true because he's the only thing i think about when i think about that movie so. uh, for sure i mean he's super you know you really feel for him in that movie but going back to first reform yeah definitely don't watch it with your kids um it's not a and, and honestly this may be a solo adventure you know i know me being a married married man now like there's definitely times where there's stuff i want to watch or stuff my wife wants to watch and you know if you're not both feeling it you know you may not watch it and it's definitely a movie that's not going to be for everybody but if you want to see something with a fantastic lead performance uh, and honestly two leading performances amanda seyfried in the movie is incredible um and the same that cecil the entertainer uh, yeah, Forget about him. <laughs> that's true. Um, and the scene he that uh, Jake mentioned uh, with the the dream Cedric's scene, the entertainer. That, right, C- Cedric. Cecil Cedric, same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he. I don't think if he listens, I'm sorry, Cedric. If you hear this, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, the drink scene. Uh, I can't really explain it either. It does sound kind of lame, like talking about it, like oh it's Pepto-Bismol and whiskey like what's the big deal but it comes at a pretty pivotal point in the movie and it's just it's just cool it to just see. sticks with you I mean yeah. when you think about that movie that's the that's the scene that comes to my mind other than the finale the ending scene which I'm not going to talk about that at all uh, right. we could have a whole discussion on the on that scene and what what it means but like I right. said we don't want to spoil anything and we hope you've watched this movie yeah, it's definitely one that if you enjoy, you know, talking about interpretations of endings, uh, that's definitely one to watch for as well. And not to get too in the weeds, you know, with this uh, the current uh, crisis we're all experiencing here, but, you know, you can extrapolate the themes of this movie while it does, you know, you know, it's an allegory really about, or not an allegory, but it, it is directly, you know, climate change is a big motivator in this movie for for our main character and you know he feels kind of hopeless in a way that he can't you know he's trying to get people to you know relate with him and see things from the point of view that he's trying to describe and i kind of feel like you know 
that that's a, a little bit of that is going on right now where you know you have people that are we're a little slower to adapt to the self-isolation social distancing um strategies that we have to implement um thankfully we're all kind of getting there to a to a degree but it's a it's a timely movie um it's it's a great performance from ethan hawk and you should definitely check it out and what did you say it was on what streaming service amazon amazon prime um so yeah it's a solid one so you ready for your second movie for sure moving right along um my number four pick um for the movie that you should watch while quarantined um is a little on the nose as is uh, there are a couple on here that are a little just you know take them at face value but um 28 days later um i've never actually seen this movie Okay, it's it's a I had not seen it for a while, and then a couple years ago, um, I think we were just hanging out at my parents' house, and it randomly was on, and I just, for whatever reason, just decided to stick with it, and it, it's honestly, it's super good. Um, it's aged pretty well. I mean, you can definitely tell it's an it's a little bit older, like it's got that mid two thousands kind of vibe to it. Um, stars Cillian Murphy, and he's he's fantastic in it. Um. It's directed by Danny Boyle, who directed Yesterday that came out last year. Um, he directed Steve Jobs and also Slumdog Millionaire. Um, so it, it's a well-directed movie, and it basically is about, you know, there are these, um, in the UK, they were doing these uh, experiments on these um, monkeys, and it's like a, it's something like a rage-inducing disease that they're trying to formulate, and it basically gets out, and it turns into what it would usually be considered like a pretty standard stereotypical zombie, zombie thriller, zombie horror movie. Um, but you know, the, the character work in this movie is what sets it apart. It's not necessarily about running from zombies or, you know, trying to just kill as many zombies as we can. You know, the, the, the reason you're watching the movie is to see the, the character work and, you know, especially Celia Murphy, like, how he interacts with the people he meets, you know, he, he's kind of on his own and he, he kind of runs into more people as he's traversing through the countryside. Um, and they end up, uh, like the, the main villains of the movie end up being normal humans and not these zombified people. So if that tells you anything, but, um, the, my favorite scene, I won't go into all the plot because, you know, it's, like I said, it's it's not it's a zombie movie, but it also um, it is just a thriller, and it's it's pretty entertaining to watch. Um, the scene I like the most, um, I almost don't want to talk about it now because you haven't seen it, um, but I'm kind of conflicted there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, do you do you care no. to know, or I guess it? Or you go, ahead. go ahead. I'm interested. Okay. Well, the scene. Um, the scene that I like is the is the ending, and I know that, like I said, if you haven't seen this movie, skip ahead. You know, I'm going to talk about the ending. Uh, but basically, um, our main character, uh, again, like I said, played by Celia Murphy, that he and uh, another character, Selena, and another character, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but it's him and uh, she's a younger girl that they had rescued. They are held up in like a countryside home and they've kind of escaped you know the these people that were had that had captured them and they are um you know they're not really being threatened by zombies anymore you see there's a scene where it shows these two zombies laying on the road um dying of starvation uh so it's kind of just let there to let you know like hey this is this is slowly gonna not be a problem anymore because you know all these zombies are gonna die out um but they're in this they're in this house and all of a sudden uh the selena character runs in and says hey like come outside you got to see this uh they're they're here or she says something like they're back and they go outside with this big tarp and you don't really know what's what's about to happen and they go out in this big field and they spread this tarp out and a jet flies in and what they have done is they've spelled uh, the word hello on the on the countryside as to try and attract aircraft and the reason I like the scene is because after the aircraft flies by, Selena turns to, um, I cannot believe I'm 
fumbling on his name. Let me see what Celia Murphy's character name is. So I stopped saying Celia Murphy over and over again. Selena turns to, oh my gosh, where is it? What is his name? What is his name? Doesn't matter. Selena turns to Celia Murphy's character and says, do you think he saw us this time? And I think that it's kind of a subtle way of, you know, telling the audience, like, this is not the first time that an aircraft has flown by. Um, they're all kind of in good spirits. Like, she's smiling. Um, everybody's kind of, like, just happy about it. They're not, they're not even slightly depressed, maybe, as if the airplane didn't see them and flew by. You know, it just kind of lets us know as the audience they're okay with this new kind of life they're in. And it's okay if the airplane necessarily didn't see them. Um, and then we see Celia Murphy's character turn to the camera and the last shot is just him having a look of just calm elation on his face as if to say to us, it's like, he's got this new life. He's got these people that he's with, um, that it's a new normal. It's not what his old life was, but it's okay because, you know, he's got people to spend time with. Um, that was all over the place, but basically, yeah, that, that was the ending of that movie and it was really good. Um, and I think, I think that was my favorite part of the yeah, movie. So it sounds like, uh, you should probably watch that movie if you were looking to a quiet place too with Cillian Murphy. And now that That's true. You know, there's no telling when we're going to actually get to watch that movie. So 28 days later. Yeah. And, uh, which point. streaming service did you say that was? Like? It is on, let me see here. It is on Hulu. Hulu. You can find that on Hulu. Okay. Definitely adding that one to my watch list. I have yep. and then, plenty of free time now. For sure. And what is next on your list? Okay, so next on my list is Inside Lewin Davis. And I'm awesome. sure you're not surprised to hear that a Coen Brothers movie is on my list. And anybody that knows me knows that the Coen Brothers are my absolute favorite film directors. Um, and I really, when I, really, I was sitting down to write this list, yeah, it, I really struggled on which Coen Brothers movie to pick because there's, there's several on these different streaming services and every one of them is really good in my opinion, but Inside of Lewin Davis is absolutely one of my favorite movies ever made and it's... Like like the first movie on my list, it's probably not a movie that is for everybody, but uh, it's got an amazing cast with Oscar Isaac, Adam Driver, Carrie Mulligan, um, John Goodman, Justin Timberlake, Garrett Hedlund. Uh, there's probably a few more that I'm missing, but this is really like the introduction to Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver for me. And Adam Driver has a, a really small role in this movie, but is a memorable role. Um, but basically inside Lewin Davis is just following, uh, Oscar Isaac's character, Lewin Davis. And he's a folk singer in the sixties, just trying to make it New York. And the movie basically just follows his life around for the, I think the movie probably lasts two or three days, the, the span of the movie. And, um, I think it's safe to say that Lewin Davis does not have the best of luck in this movie. And that seems to be a typical theme with Coen Brothers movies. They don't exactly treat their their characters the best. I mean, they put their characters through the ringer. And Lewin Davis definitely goes through that throughout the movie. And what's interesting about this movie for me is uh, Oscar Isaac's character, Lewin, is... He's really, uh, he, he's a jerk. I mean, he's not he's a lockable character, but you watch him this whole entire movie and you still, as bad as he is, you still feel as bad of a person as it seems that he is. You still feel, feel sympathetic for him and you still want him to be successful. Um, but that's not, not always the case for him. Uh, some, some of the things that really stand out to me about the uh, movie is the music. Uh, the music in the movie, if you're, even if you're not really a fan of folk music, and I'm not, but this movie, the, every song in it is just really fits the movie really well. Um, I I go back and listen to the soundtrack all the time. Uh, Oscar Isaac's actually singing a lot of the songs that are in the movie. 
uh, along with Mumford and Sons. Uh, Adam Driver has a, and Justin Timberlake have a song in the movie, which I definitely recommend checking out, uh, called Please Mr. Kennedy. I've probably watched that 30 or 40 times on YouTube. Uh, it was actually when I was preparing for The Force Awakens to come out, all I knew about Adam Driver was that he was in this movie called Inside Lewin Davis. So I watched the movie, and I got to say, it was hard to picture his character from this movie being the lead villain in a Star Wars but with an actor with the range of Adam Driver, he's definitely pulled it off. Um, John Goodman, I mean, he's a staple in every Coen Brothers movie just about. Uh, he's fantastic again in this movie. So uh, I, I definitely I recommend it. If you're a Coen Brothers fan and you haven't seen this movie, it's one of their more obscure movies. I feel like if there's a Coen Brothers movie that you've missed, it's probably this one. So... You, I think it's definitely worth checking out. And if you're not a Coen Brothers fan, um, you know I still think there's a chance that you would you would really enjoy this movie. It's a, it's a really fantastic movie. So uh, I know you've seen it. What do you what do you think about Inside Lewin? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I watched it. Um, it's kind of just on a whim. I mean, you had told me to watch it, and then I just found the time and just randomly I didn't think anything of it. I didn't I didn't really reading the summaries and kind of just what it was about. I didn't know if I would enjoy it, but I just kind of found myself uh immediately just wanting to know wanting to know what was going to happen to Lewin and if he was going to achieve his goals. And like you said, um it's kind of interesting like he he's depicted as this, you know, just kind of sleazy type character not necessarily in a malicious way but just kind of like a you know takes advantage of people and is irresponsible at times but like you said we still want to see him succeed and i definitely uh, think that it's on the it's below the radar as far as coen brothers movies go because it's it's not a it's not a very the, their movies have a certain just kind of flavor to them, and I don't know how how best to describe it. But they're they're louder, if that makes sense. Than this yeah. movie, this is a much this is this is definitely not Oh Brother Way Out Thou or no, anything like no, that. Exactly. This is a much more contained, focused movie. Rather than it kind of feels like the Coen Brothers were told, "Hey, like make an indie version of one of your movies." Like that. That's kind that's of a, how it feels. That's a good description. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just super solid. Oscar Isaac is great. Like you said, I'm kind of just echoing all your points. The music is really good. Um, and there was one other thing I was going to say. One more thing that I would like Um, to add is without spoiling anything, pay attention to the cat. This is an all time cat. uh, cat performance. The the cat in this movie definitely deserves like an Oscar for, they need a, they need an Oscar category for animals. I feel like this cat definitely yeah. won the Oscar in this for this performance. But pay attention to the cat. Oh, absolutely. It's an it's absolutely it's a cat heavy movie, cat friendly movie. Uh, so you know if you don't have a, if you don't have a, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Don't have a someone else in the home. If it's just you and your cat, you know, perfect movie to watch. Um, so just uh, give it a try, and is it still it's still on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's it's on Amazon. Um, it might be on a few other services too, but I know it's on Amazon. It, so, nice. So uh, I guess but yeah, it's it's definitely a great one, and uh, I can it, it's how it's pretty short too. I mean, you could you could knock it out. It's it's only like hour and thirty I think minutes. It's less than two hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that. It's, it's it's great and uh, really recommend it as well. Um, but moving right along, um, we're up to number three. Third choice for you. And like I said, like I said on the last one, it's kind of on the nose. You know, 28 days later could be a little scary, I guess, given the current climate of how things are going. Uh, same was it. Same as this. This is kind of a last-minute uh, selection for me because the other movie I had, and I'll go ahead and just throw it out there. The other movie I had was not on any streaming services, so I had to make a last-minute sub- substitution. 
Uh, I was originally going to go with Disturbia, um, okay. which is young uh, kind of a throw. Yeah, young child of buff. Um, but anyway, you know, I would I was going to love to talk about that movie because uh, that's low key. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's nothing special, but it's just I've seen it so many times. I remember watching I that really movie like for the first time. Yeah, it's it's a fun one to watch. But anyway, watch that if you if you want to. But anyway, you'd have to pay to watch it. Um, but the actual number three for me is The Strangers, directed by Brian Bertino. Um, so yeah, it, like I said, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know make anybody be paranoid or anything like that. But if you haven't seen The Strangers, the entire point of the movie is that our protagonists are in a like a remote cabin. Um, that they have rented and they are basically antagonized and chased by these three masked villains, uh, like serial killers, essentially uh, the whole movie. And, you know, it really preys on your sense of safety. I think the scariest aspect of the movie is the illusion of safety that you're in your home. What you should consider is safe, but it's also the center of just a bunch of madness. Um, you never feel like the protagonists are in a favorable position. And while, you know, this might be the case in most horror films, I think that given the current crisis we're in, um, it kind of hits close to home. Uh, no pun intended there. Uh, but I think um, it's, it's a really solid movie. You know, it, it definitely is very creepy without having to have a bunch of jump scares. Um, it really just um, the tension is what kind of does it for me. Like, it, like I said, it doesn't have to have all these flashy jump scares with loud noises. There's a couple of them in there, but it's not its not something that the movie uses as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Um, Liv Tyler in the movie, right? Yeah, she is the lead alongside. Um, she's definitely the more famous of the two, I believe. No offense to who I'm about to disrespect here. Um, yeah, Scott Speedman is the other lead opposite Liv Tyler and uh, the best line for me in this movie like I said if you haven't seen it it's a solid horror horror movie it really holds up uh, I think Um, I've seen it multiple times and when I first saw it when I was in middle school I mean I it it just terrified me Um, but the best line and if you have seen the movie uh, and again, I, I hate that I'm picking the, the, the endings to some of these movies because, but, but honestly, I think the ending is kind of the most important part of the movie to me. Um, uh, so if you haven't seen the movie, you know, you may want to skip this part as well. I am going to kind of spoil the ending. Um, but the best line, if you've seen the movie, you know where I'm going with this. Um, at the end, when uh, our heroes have been captured by these, you know, nameless, faceless villains, uh, Kristen, who's played by Liv Tyler, like Jake said, uh, you know, she's just frantically pleading with the people and says, you know, please, you know, why are you doing this to us? And one of the female villains at first, none of them are going to say anything. But then one of the female villains just calmly says, because you were home. And that always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, it was just really creepy. It was simple, but it wasn't pretentious. It leaves, you know, it leaves your imagination to kind of wander because we still don't know who these characters are. We don't know their motivations, where they're from, why they're doing these things. Um, So, yeah, it was definitely really creepy. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's just a really solid movie. I don't know. If you you want a scary movie to watch and you're not going to, like, lose your mind, given the fact that we all have to kind of stay in our homes for the next two to three weeks, uh, I would definitely give it a try. Uh, and I don't know if I said it, but it is on, let's see what streaming service it is on. It is on Hulu. You can find that on Hulu. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the, the line that I think about when I, I hear the strangers mentioned because that, that would really, when I watched it the first time, it really unsettled me. Uh, you know, just the randomness of, Everything these characters have went through, traumatic event, and the reason it's happened to them is just completely random. It could have been Mm -hmm. anybody else, and I guess that's the way that in life, the bad things that happen, a lot of stuff just random. You know, there's no control. You don't have any control over what happens to you. It just happens. Sometimes it's not your fault. I don't know. But that, yeah, I remember watching that movie for the first time in middle school. Uh, it's been a long time since I watched the original one. 
Uh, I did see the sequel. Definitely not as not as good as the original Strangers, but um, no. yeah, the Strangers definitely a definitely a strange. Yeah, it um, Brian Bertino did produce the sequel, uh, and it did some good things. I didn't think it was totally a cash grab. I mean, it was definitely. It was definitely good to a, to a degree. I didn't like the ending though; it kind of fell apart for me there. But yeah, I mean, it's not. It's really not. It's not terrible. But no, it's, there's like much you said, you could watch. Uh, style wise, it had a lot of cool choices that I, it made. I thought, but it's just definitely doesn't hold up to the original. For sure, the original fun fact had a nine million dollar budget. Uh, ended up pulling in eighty two million at the box office. So definitely, uh, you know a low budget sleeper there that ended up being a hit. Um, and yeah, it's a, like I said, it's a really solid movie, solid horror movie. Definitely check it out if you have not. But again, that one's probably another one that you want to put the kids to bed first before you turn that one on. Uh, because it does get a little, does get a little freaky, but yeah, it's, it's really good. Uh, moving right along. I, I think it is time for your next pick. Is this your, yeah, your third three. pick? Uh, my third pick is probably the most obscure movie on my list. I really have a feeling that most people probably haven't watched this. And my third choice is Thunder Road, directed by Jim Cummings. It's on Amazon Prime. So Thunder Road, I believe it came out officially released in 2018, maybe. But Thunder Road is... One of the most unique movies that I've ever seen. Uh, it's a really low-budget film. Jim Jim Cummings is a first-time director. Uh, he's actually the star of the movie too, and he plays a police officer who is just really having a tough time. He's he's recently been divorced. He's had his daughter taken away from him, and the movie starts with the funeral of his mother. And uh, I, I try to find the words to describe the first ten to twelve minutes of this movie, but there's there's really not any words to say. Um, I've never felt the way about a movie that I did in the first ten to twelve minutes, and in those in that first scene, you'll go from laughing hysterically to on the verge of tears back to laughing again and then back to almost ready to cry like it's uh jim cummings is just uh it's just a masterful debut for him uh there's two or three different scenes in this movie that just really stand out to me and i, I don't really want to talk about it much because um i don't want to give anything away there's it's not really about the plot it's just really about his character and uh the things that he's willing to do he's got all issues but you can tell he's he's a good-natured person who really truly wants to do good, but all these things keep happening to him. It's just kind of getting in his way. Uh, but this is—I recommend this movie for everybody. It's got a little bit of language, so um, it may not be kid-friendly in that aspect. But I feel like everybody can enjoy it, um, and I—I feel like Jim Cummings gonna be a big thing like i always joke around that i tell random people on the streets to watch this movie like that's just how strongly i feel about thunder road and most of the time when i mention it people act like they've never heard of it so definitely check that out on amazon prime and i believe you viewed that one am i, am I correct there yeah yeah i have it's it's fantastic i mean absolutely it's probably out of all the movies we've talked about so far it's it's probably my favorite one um and i've only just watched it a couple months ago but like you said jim cummings is fantastic um it had a um and there's no there's a reason that nobody's heard of it i mean like you said it was a very small budget um i think the budget was like two hundred thousand box office brought in like a little over 350,000 so super small compared to what we would normally I guess see but it, it's don't let that fool you I mean it's and 90 minutes and every minute is just I mean packed full of great character work great writing and great acting and, it, and it's it's it actually started yeah. as a just a short film the first the opening scene of the movie was a short film that I believe debuted at Sundance 
and it was was met with such a was met positive such a reaction there that uh, Cummings decided to make it into a feature length film. I'm definitely glad he did because it, you know, it doesn't feel like a story that or a movie that he just forced into existing. It felt like a movie that really said something and needed to be made. And uh, I really look forward to the next next movie that Jim Cummings decides to make. Yeah, it's rare that you find movies that that know exactly what they want to be. They know they don't overstay their welcome. They don't have bad pacing. I mean, the pacing in this movie is perfect. You're never not interested in it's 90 minutes, but it doesn't like, like I said, it it doesn't feel too short. doesn't feel too long. It feels like it does. It it accomplished exactly what it wanted to. Um, And it's hilarious and sad and like, you're going to get the full full spectrum of emotion here watching this movie. And I, I agree with you. I think Jim Cummings has got great things ahead of him. I mean, he's super young, super talented. I mean, he, somebody somebody needs to nail him down to something before before somebody else does, I think. I would um, definitely like to see him making uh, A24. Oh, yeah. They give him that budget. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. So uh, are you ready for your fourth selection? Yeah, for sure. Um, moving right along. Um, all right, we're gonna I, we're gonna get away from the doom and gloom for me. We're gonna go into some uh, positive, much more, much more, um, you know, just much more uplifting uh, kind of area here. My fourth selection is Up, um, another Disney Pixar movie. Um, I'm a little partial to those. I do I do enjoy those, but. Uh, up, I think, is probably one of, if not the strongest, um, Disney Pixar titles that that they have. Um, my personal to, number one. Yeah, it, it's hard. I couldn't argue with anybody that would say that. I mean, it's. I mean, Finding Nemo. I feel like to me is number. Like I said that earlier, it's number one for me. I think out of nostalgia. But if you're talking about just a quality standpoint and emotional. Uh, just impact i mean up is you you can't get any better than that um obviously you know i'm sure most of you have seen the movie you know it centers on main character mr frederickson and you know we see that that famous opening just montage of him and ellie who ends up being his you know his childhood sweetheart who ends up being his wife um and you know we see in such a short amount of time with no dialogue you know, the saddest part of the movie, you could argue, is in the, is in the opening, you know, five to ten minutes um, where you're you're watching their life kind of unfold in this sped up montage um, where, you know, she passes away um, and he becomes kind of this uh, curmudgeon type character. Um, and then he um, eventually meets, um, you know, the young character, Russell who's a little boy scout and he's really cute. He's really funny. And he's probably one of the best part. He's easily one of the best parts of the movie. Um, but basically you guys know the plot. He, he wants to go to, I can't remember the name of the place they want to go. He wants to, you know, take his house to this magical place that he told, he promised Ellie, he would, you know, take her one day. And so, you know, his house, Let's out the balloons, house flies away, and what better movie to watch right now when you can't leave your house than a movie where the protagonist literally takes his house <laughs> with him wherever he goes. So, you know, you can't you can't get much better than that. It's a kid-friendly movie. Um, the emotional impact in this movie is just second to none. My favorite part is, and again, I, you, you're noticing a trend here. I mean... My my favorite part of movies are the ending because I feel like that's where that's where you go for you go for the gut punch. You, you're always going for, you know, that's where you can have your biggest impact. I think for the most part. But I think with this, it's a kids movie. I'm not really spoiling much here. I mean, you've probably seen the movie. So you're not watching up for its plot. I mean, no, exactly. You're not. You're watching it for this payoff right here where we've watched Mr. Fredrickson and Russell kind of bond slowly throughout the movie where, you know, finally he kind of opens up and the end of the movie, they defeat the villain and they're on this giant like blimp airship thing and his house is up there. And then as they defeat the villain and, you know, Mr. Fredrickson saves Russell uh, and Doug, the 
dog. He looks out in the clouds and he sees that his house is floating away. Very, very sad. Um, and um, Russell comes up to him and says uh, that he's sorry about his house. But then Mr. Fredrickson looks at him and says, well, it's just a house. And it kind of just shows his growth throughout the whole movie where in the beginning he was super protective of his house and he would do anything, you know, that was his top priority. Um, but then, you know, at the end of the movie, he realizes that it's really, a, you know, material things aren't that important. It's about the relation, this new relationship he's formed with Russell. And then it kind of just, you know, really nails it home right after that scene. We're shown Russell's uh, scout program where Mr. Fredrickson shows up to be his honorary parent and then gives him uh, what is called the Ellie badge. And if you don't tear up during this scene, then you probably don't have a soul. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I mean, it, it's it's easily the the cutest part of the whole movie and saddest part of the whole movie. Um, it's, just, it's just really good. I can't really say much else. I mean, the animation is second to none. It's really funny. Um really emotional and it's yeah i mean it's just it's just great i, I think uh there's not much else we can say about it honestly all right so i guess i'll move on to my number four choice um well you went with a more uplifting movie your fourth choice i kind of went in the other direction okay uh, right. my fourth choice is zodiac by david venture Nice. Have you seen Zodiac? I still have not. It is on my list, but I still have not gotten around to it. Um, well, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this movie. It's just I'm going to talk about... I mean, I don't feel like I have to sell this movie. It's got Robert Downey Jr., Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, and it's directed by David Fincher, and it's about the Zodiac Killer. So if that's not enough to get people interested, I feel like everybody's on a big serial killer kick now. And what better choice to watch a movie called Zodiac about the Zodiac Killer, one of the most famous serial killers. Um, I personally, and it's tough to say this, but I think it's David Fincher's best movie. And that's the same guy who directed Social Network and uh, Fight Club. So that's really saying something. David Fincher is not some unaccomplished director. Um, but Zodiac is its the real deal. Uh, it's a little lengthy. It's about two and a half hours long. But it doesn't feel long when you're watching it. I mean, it's, it's filled with tension. Uh, great acting. It probably has one of the creepiest scenes. Of, of really any movie that I've watched, and I mean Zodiac. Zodiac's not a. I wouldn't call it a horror movie. I mean, there's no, no real horror horror elements to it. But there's a scene towards the end of the movie where Jake Gyllenhaal's character goes to a house, someone that he thinks could have some information about who Zodiac Killer really is, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, I, but it's just, it's very, very creepy. Um, and I definitely, I definitely think it's one that you would like, and I think everybody should watch this movie at some point. Like I said, it's two and a half hours long, but we don't, we've got all the time in the world right now. So there's no excuse to not watch it. Um, so yeah, definitely check out Zodiac. It's on Netflix, maybe on some other streaming services, but it's definitely on Netflix. Nice. I, I definitely, I can't offer much. I mean, I have not seen it, but David Fincher's, uh, you know, his uh, reputation speaks for itself. He also directed Gone Girl, which I actually didn't know. That's that's crazy. Yeah, um, Gone Girl's fantastic, too. And, and Seven. Yeah. Um, I have not seen Seven, but, you know, it's, he's definitely, uh, he's got the clout. So uh, I can't say much. I put it on my list. Um, I will. I'm sure I'll get around to it eventually. I'm not the world's best at watching things, but, you know, we'll see. We'll definitely see. Um, because, like I said, all the actors in it, I love all those actors. David Fincher's great. And who wouldn't like to watch a movie about a serial killer? Um, but um, I guess that will take us into my final selection 
um, of this podcast. We only did five each. Um, so my final movie um, that you need to watch during this quarantine time uh, is one that most people have probably seen. If you're over the age of 35, you've probably seen this movie. Um, and even even then, I mean, it's on TV all the time. And it's it's just a great watch. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, like I said, if you somehow haven't seen it, now will be the perfect time to watch it. Um, I went with this choice because unlike all of us right now, you know, Ferris's entire plot in this movie revolved around making his teachers and parents believe that he is sick and needs to stay home. And while I know that's not the central theme of the movie, it is the originating plot point. So that's why that's another reason why I picked it. It just could fit right in. Um, and the best scene in this movie, I think, might surprise some people. Um, for a lot of people, it's probably the twist and shout parade scene or maybe something with uh you know the principal one of the funny scenes where he's trying to break in or the chase scene at the end uh where ferris is running back home but uh you know all great scenes very iconic movie but the my favorite scene is actually when ferris is calling his friend cameron uh to convince him to leave his house um and you know again that's not because it thematically fits it's just honest to god it's my favorite scene i mean cameron uh, cameron kind of he steals the movie at times to be honest yeah 100 percent. He, he's the most he's the most realistic character in the movie and that's why it kind of resonates with me um i love it because it perfectly captures what a real friendship is like um in my personal experience i, I know exactly what the dynamic is that that the movie is trying to go for between these two people. You know, uh, we, at this point in the movie, we haven't seen any character work between either of these two characters, but this scene right here gives us all we need to know in a short amount of time. It's one of, you know, it's one of the most effective bits of character development in the whole movie because it, it gets, it accomplishes so much in a short amount of time. Um, you know, Ferris calls uh, Cameron and Cameron is saying that he's sick, uh, doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to go anywhere. He feels really bad. Uh, and Ferris doesn't really waste any time pandering to him because he's his friend and he knows that he's lying. He even hangs up uh, confident that he did all he had to do to get Cameron to leave the house. But then he calls back immediately and says, you're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do before hanging up again. Um, you know, I really I really did appreciate that just because it's it's just real. I mean, it's just, you know, we've all had those times where we're wanting to do something and, you know, we have a friend that maybe like doesn't want to do it or we know we know that they're not really busy. They just, you know, they just don't want to get up and do something. And, uh, you know, then Ferris eventually explains that, you know, he knows that Cameron is wound really tight and he needs to get out of the house before, uh, you know, going to college. He needs to have a day just to kind of relax and collect himself. Um and just to expand on it just a little bit more, not to get too cheesy out here, but uh, the reason I like the movie itself and that scene so much is because every time I watch it, it reminds me of high school when socializing was kind of like, you know, that was kind of what the currency of the time, really. That was what we, that was what we all did. And it didn't matter what you're going to do. It just mattered who was there and what, who was there while you did it. Um, and this movie is all about that, that sense of freedom that we all felt at one point, uh, through our teenage years, uh, feeling kind of like we could do anything. Um, and this scene is just about friendship, but it's not fake movie friendship. It's real and it works. So yeah, go watch it. It's, it's really good. And it's just an iconic movie. I mean, it's one of those things that you've probably seen references references to in pop culture dozens of times, and you maybe just never knew it if you haven't seen it. Um, so yeah, I mean, super good movie, and you can find Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, on Netflix right now. Uh, and I'm sure, like I said, you you know, I'm sure you've seen it several times. Oh, yeah, you, know, you can probably talk about it a lot. Yeah, uh, it's. I, I don't know how many times I've watched it. I don't really have anything else to add. You kind of hit all the high points. Uh, so I don't, I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, if you've, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. If you have seen it, go watch it again. I mean, it's a movie that really doesn't get old. So. 
hundred percent. And uh, with that, uh, we're going into our final selection. Um, Jake, what is the final movie that people need to watch while they are quarantined? So once again, these are my choices kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, but my fifth and final choice is Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino. Um, I mean, I, I could get into a whole spill about this movie is is top five favorite movies for me. Um, I personally think, and I've said every, every movie on this, my list is the director's best, but I think, Inglorious Bastards is Quentin Tarantino's best movie. <laughs> that's that's really that's saying really something because this is the same man who made Pulp Fiction and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and numerous other great movies. But, you know, there's there's so many things that I could talk about with Inglorious Bastards that the reason I love it. But the main thing is just the characters... Uh, how witty the dialogue is. Uh, every scene is. I see a lot of people, or some people mention how it seems like it's just a slow movie where there's a ton of dialogue and not much happens until the end. But I mean, with a Tarantino movie, all his dialogue is just so great, so funny. Uh, the opening scene with Christoph Waltz uh, interrogating the man at his farm is. One of the most of the tense most scenes, scenes that, that I've ever I've seen. seen. I mean, it probably goes on about 15 or 20 minutes, but the entire time, I mean, Christopher Waltz is just absolutely terrifying as the, the villain in the movie. And then that's not to even mention you have Brad, uh, Brad Pitt and his uh, The Bastards, who the, the title of the movie. Um, every scene they're in is absolutely fantastic. Brad Pitt is hilarious, along with the rest of the uh, the rest of his crew. Um, there's so many memorable scenes. The basement scene, like I said, the opening scene, uh, the bear juice scene. Uh, it's just it's too hard to pick one. But I feel like a lot of people have probably seen this movie before. But it's like all of Tarantino's movies, is extremely rewatchable. I've probably seen it a hundred times, and I'll probably watch it a hundred more times. And it's a, it's probably about two and a half hours long. Another lengthy, lengthy watch. So that'll help you eat up some of the time in your day if you're like me and you're, you're looking, you're staring at the clock all day, wondering how you're gonna fill the hours while you're quarantined. No better way than to watch this movie. Um, what is your experience with it? Yeah, um, I put it off for way too long. Um, I actually watched it last year for the very first time. So a little bit on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, I've only watched it once, um, but it is, I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, I definitely need to rewatch it because there's probably a lot of parts that, you know, I'm forgetting that. But it, when I watched it, it was super interesting. Uh, the opening scene you talked about with Christoph Waltz. Um, if you ever heard somebody say that an actor is, or actress is like chewing the scene or chewing the scenery, that, that is what that opening scene, that's what that means. Christoph Waltz, absolutely. Just every bit, every piece of dialogue he has in that opening scene is just so calculated and so just it's so deliberate. Um, and everything, everything about his performance is great, but it's hilarious. Um, every Quentin Tarantino movie that I've seen has, you know, never, never fails to make me laugh. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it's just a stacked movie. The cast is incredible. The, the, the content is great. I mean, like it's, it's about killing Nazis. I mean, like you can't, you can't screw that up, but Tarantino obviously does it the best. Um, and you know, uh, I was just sitting here reading a little bit about it. Um, he actually wrote the script in 1998, um, which is, I never knew that. That's actually pretty yeah. interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it's a solid one. And like you said, it's two and a half hours long, so it'll definitely help the days kind of pass on by. So if you have not seen it, uh, definitely do that. Uh, keep the kids out of it again. But like I said, this list was not about, it was about movies in general. We did not, you know, we're not advocating that you watch this with your three-year-old, but uh, it, it's awesome, and it is one of Tarantino's best out of the ones that I have seen. But it, I still it definitely feels like some 
some self-commentary for Tarantino. Uh, I know one of the last lines in the movie is, you know what, Yulevich, this, this might just be my masterpiece. And to me, that's kind of on the nose. It's like Tarantino speaking to the audience that this is, this is his masterpiece. And I, you know, I, pulp, I personally believe Pulp Fiction is a masterpiece, but I think Inglorious Bastards just inches beyond Pulp Fiction a little bit. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely check it out if you can. So the, yeah, I guess that that concludes our our first podcast. Uh, yeah, I think that does. Um, you know, it's uh, hopefully we're going to be pretty consistent at least. Uh, you know, when we have things worthwhile to talk about, I think that's kind of uh, going to be how we approach it. Um, when we have movies or really anything that we feel compelled to talk about, we'll probably sit down and just kind of record one out and just pop it out pretty quick. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be the highest production value, not going to be super duper well cut together, but you know, we're going to get there. We're, we're, we're not going to be work in progress at the very start. That definitely does work in progress. hundred percent. Um, but if you did sit through this whole thing, um, and listen to all these, uh, movie selections, uh, we hope you stay safe. Hope you uh, give all these uh, a chance if you have not. And if you have already, watch them again. Doesn't matter. You probably got all the streaming services already on deck. Uh, so give them another chance. We wouldn't tell you. We wouldn't steer you wrong. So um, with that, I think that is uh, all we have time for today. But again, we appreciate you listening and Until have a great day. We'll see you next time. Until next time.